so excited to be here and I'm excited for Mother's Day next week. Hands up if you are excited for Mother's Day. Hands up if you don't know if your kids are going to get you a present yet. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty substantial. Like, hands up if you've got low expectations about breakfast in bed. Wow, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Wow. Generally because who's the first person in the house to get up in the morning? Mum. Generally, that's been my experience. Hey, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. So if you are sitting down, why don't you stand? We're going to pray for the service. So um, we're going to make sure that God is going to have his way this morning. Come on, let's stretch forward our hands. Father, we just pray that over the next 30 minutes that you would speak to us, that we use the words that I've prepared to actually change directions, impact lives. We don't want to hear words this morning. We want to hear your voice. We want you to use the preparation and turn it into your plan. We want you to speak. We want you to move. We're not playing games anymore. Amen. Why don't you take your seats? It's going to be one of those ones today, guys. I'm very sorry, but I'm not sorry. So let's get used to this whole thing. It's going to be a great day. I want to read a scripture right at the very start of my message. And this is where I think that God is going to speak to us this morning and frame our, our, our next season as a church and I just want to start the scripture with this it's just from Joshua chapter 2 and verse 24 and they said to Joshua the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands I would have thought that some of you might have been a little bit more excited when I said that this morning The Lord has surely put the whole land into our hands. Let's just say it again. The Lord, and I want you, I'm not doing it to try and get a point. I'm trying to bring a point across. I don't want more excitement. I want you to catch this. The Lord has surely put the whole land into our hands. This is what the people agreed upon before they crossed into the promised land, before they crossed over. Before they stepped foot on that soil, the Lord has surely put the whole land into our hands. I feel like God's speaking prophetically to me. I mean, stop it, you ladies who grabbed me before the service and prayed for me. Said that God's going to give me something that's not in my notes. And this is not in my notes. We've got to get a realization, like we've been singing this morning, that we've got to walk in victory. God has already provided it. Before we even step foot into the land, it's already ours. And we need to get a revelation and a realization that God has already done what he said he's going to do, and we just need to step into it. Okay, so I want us to be a people of victory. I want us to be a people who step out in faith, that not the kind of faith that, oh, well, we, we hope that God's going to do something. No, no, no. We know that God's going to do something because he already said that he would. So that's where we're going. But have you ever set out on a trip, and road, like a road trip, and not had a destination in mind? I, I, I bring my mind back to that movie, Wild Hogs. Has anyone ever seen the movie Wild Hogs? A couple of people. And, and someone's just like, let's just get out of here, man. We're, we're, we're going to go. We're going to go on a road trip. And they say, well, where are we going? Well, we don't know. Who cares? No maps, no nothing. We're just going to go on a trip. And it's, it's, a, it's an adventure. And it comes with all sorts of mishaps and challenges and, and, and conflict that happens along the way and a lot of fun. But just adventure and see where it goes. That's not me. That's not, that's not who I am. When I go on a holiday, Rachel and I are very, very different. We're very different people when it comes to going on a holiday. See, I will, I will plan out the whole trip. 
I seriously, I've got an app called TripIt, and I will put every single thing that we're doing in there, what time we're leaving, where we're going for lunch, what the menu is at the place for lunch, what I've selected off that menu at the place we're going for lunch. I've got it planned out, every hotel, every stop, every site to see on the way. I'm getting on Google Maps that I'm on Street View, and I'm looking at that thing before I actually get there. That's me. That's, that's what I do. It's because I'm so excited to go. And someone might say, but you've already seen it, so why bother going? Save yourself some money. Just watch Google. Just look at a video on YouTube and you would have been there. But I go to that. I, that's, what, that's my thing. That's what, and there's three, only three places I'm really ever interested in going. Bali, Hawaii, and Canada. That's the only three places. I'm just like, because I know. I'm going, I know what to expect when I get there. I know I can plan it out. I know how to drive on that side of the road now. <laughs> After practice. There's only been a couple of mishaps. It's fine. But Rachel's a little bit different. She loves a surprise. She doesn't want to know what's the agenda on the cruise ship list for the day. She doesn't care. She doesn't even want to look at it. She just wants to go and sit by the pool and then see what happens for the day. She doesn't want to look at a single thing. She doesn't want to look at a, a, a video. Oh, check out this video of the Athabasca Glacier. That's where we're going. She's like, I don't want to watch. I don't want to look at it because I don't want to spoil the surprise. I don't want to ruin the fun. I just, she, you know, she just, doesn't, she just wants to go along and have an adventure with me. I've got it all mapped out. I've, I've already been on the holiday. I could tell you all about it and I haven't even left the country. Is there anybody out there who's with me? About two people. Praise God for you. But we're not called to go on a fully planned out life. We're called to go on an adventure. We're not always going to be able to see what's ahead of us. We're always not going to know. But how are we going to know where to go if we don't plan it out? If I don't use my Google Maps to actually figure it out, how am I going to know where I'm going? Joshua chapter 3. Let's have a look at this. We're going to read the whole chapter this morning. And I've got my... Bible here, but I have no glasses, so don't mind if I do this a little bit. Starts in verse 1. It says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israel set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. Some of you just need to actually calm down right now. It's an actual place. Don't be immature. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. Now listen to this. Focus here. Okay. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you were to move out from your positions and follow it. I want you to hear this. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark and do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hizzites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Vegemites. <laughs> See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot into the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So that when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet at, as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away a town, at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan. 
while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabath, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The, pre the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing onto dry ground. There's a few things in this passage that I want to pick out this morning and, and, and talk to you through. But first, before we do that, I want to show you something that happened to us last week. Last week, you're going, hang on, you weren't here last week. I'm going, that's right, we weren't here. Rachel and I were very intentional about actually building some relationship with pastors and building connection with some churches that we see as being a, a big part of our future. You know, when we moved to Victoria, we knew one other pastor who lives on the other side of the state, and that was because they came from Hillsong, where we came from um, a while ago. So we had a former relationship, but we knew nobody. So last week, we actually really intentional and took some pastors out and chatted with them and connected with them, and something unexpected happened. Last week, pastor, we were at Numa Church in the morning, and Pastor David McCracken was there, someone who's been to this church um, quite a number of times, actually found his name in this book this morning some of you might have seen this book before we'll get to that and I just want to share something that Pastor David um, spoke um, to us on that Sunday so let's check out the screens Amen uh, Andrew and Rachel I've never met you before this morning that I know of um, introduce you uh, they introduced you to us this morning um, just in the middle of the worship time I felt the, the, the phrase, the road less traveled. And I saw that God was taking you into new territory, conceptually, perceptionally, um, and that God was going to lay upon you new uh, keys and ways of doing things which may not fit the norm. And to the spirit of the pioneer is particularly important to you in the next two or three years. Um, and beware of very well-meaning, good, well-meaning people who will tell you the established way. Because the Lord is going to give you moments of encounter where the Holy Spirit will give you the radical. It will, will give you the out of the ordinary, the non-predictable, the, the scary jump off the edge of the pier type stuff. Uh, and, and so the spirit of the pioneer, embrace it and keep it. Keep it alive. Amen. So I've got to tell you that it's with no little amount of fear and trepidation that I'm speaking this message today because I think this is kind of what I think the Lord is challenging me on personally, but also it's not just a word for Rachel and myself, it's a word for our church. We didn't accept that as going, oh, that's just for us and, you know, well, cool, we're going to do new things and then the church is just going to still be the church. No, our church has got to change. We have to move forward. We have to step into something new. We have to step into a new season. We have to actually come for a, uh, a journey into which we actually don't know what the destination is right now. We, we don't know everything that we need to know. There's no Google Maps for this. Verse 4 says in, um, in the passage that we just read in Joshua chapter 3, says, since you have never been this way before. Since you've never been this way before. And it, and it struck me that to know that we have never been this way, you've kind of got to know where it is that we have been. And I'm still learning all of that, where we've been. There's, a, there's quite a few people in this church, in this congregation, who know where we've been because you've been here the whole time. And that's awesome. I mean, th this church was founded 30-odd years ago. I think it's, what, is it 34, 33? I think it's 34, potentially around that. 1987 might be, no? 83. Well, it's a lot. It's, it's more. I don't, do, I don't know math. 38, 30, 38 years. That sounded good? 38. All right, cool. We've got 40 coming up in two years. It's great. But where have we been? Where have we been as a church? We've been here in Horsham. We've started things in certain towns around. But where have we really been? 
What have we seen happen? What, what's our future look like? Well, we don't know that completely yet, but we're going to step into something. But where have we been? And, and, and I don't want to say this in any way. I don't want people to draw dispersions or like our, our Pastor Andrew's saying that we haven't really accomplished anything because that's not true at all because we've accomplished a lot as a church. We've seen so many people come to faith in Christ. We've seen churches planted and started. We've seen missions actually been birthed. We have people in our house and our missionaries overseas. We've seen so many great things. But when it comes to actually really hitting what, where God wants us to hit, I, I don't want to draw a parallel to this exactly, but I, I'm just mindful of this story that the Israelites, up until this point, up until this point, they'd been in the, the, the most recent history, have been doing laps around the desert, have been doing laps around a wasteland, have been doing laps due to disobedience because they didn't believe and they didn't step out in faith and they've been circling around and around and around. What should have taken them 10 days' journey took them 40 years to get to because a generation had to pass. And I think that we've got, to, we've got to look at this closely and go, okay, well, what's the time now? And I think the time for us now is to actually step into some land that's promised, to take a hold of an inheritance that was fought for by our forefathers, by people who went before us, by people like um, Tim Hall and Tom Rawls and Ashley Good, who started some miracle crusades down there at Clear Lake. And then people like Pastor John and Sherilyn up the back here who who fought for this place to actually be a house of God, to fought for this building to actually be here. And we have walked into an inheritance that is rich. There is a wealth to this. But what are we going to do with it? I'm feeling something this morning. And I've been feeling it all week. Because there's something new that we've got to do. We've got something new that we've got to go. We've got an inheritance that is on us. And it's, a, it's not just an inheritance of oh, people sowed in hard work or people sowed in finance, but people sowed in spiritually into this thing. People sowed and they sowed and they sowed and they were up in the morning and they were walking around through shearing sheds and they were speaking in tongues and they were prophesying and they were speaking what we have now into being. But was it just so that we could have this? This is nice. You're all wonderful and we love you. you Thank you, Jaden. This is nice. But this is not where we were called to camp. This is not where we were called to set out our permanent foundation. This is not where we were called to actually relax. To, oh, it's all good. We're in the desert. God's just going to provide manna and and quails and it's going to be awesome. And this this is it. No, there's so much more. I, th- I still think that at some stages we're eating manna and quails and thinking that the provision of the Lord is awesome, but he's got milk and honey on the other side. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. John 14, 1-6 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so... Would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you so also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Hang on. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Very next line. Thomas. Who's what? He's a doubter. Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? You know the place where I'm going. It's, it's kind of like one of those scenarios where God's been speaking and speaking and speaking and investing and just not paying attention. <laughs> not been paying attention. It's like, hang on, you know where I'm going. You know where the way is. And he's, Thomas is like, hang on, I'm in a different vein here. Maybe I was asleep in that class. I am the way, the truth. And Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. How will we know the way? How will we know the way? How will we know what we're supposed to step into next? How will we know 
What, what, is, what is the right move to do? How will we know what's the right way to go? I use Google all the time for directions. Even around here, even if I know where I'm going, because I just want to know how long it's actually going to take to get there. I just put it in and I want to know what the ETA is. And I'm like, maybe sometimes I try and squeeze a few here so I can try and just say, shave a minute off the, the, the ETA or there's no one else guilty of that. A couple of people are guilty of that. Yeah. But how will we know which way to go? And I think it comes back to that, that, that passage in, in Joshua chapter 3 in verse 4. It says, this is how you will know which way to go because you've never been this way before. It comes down to our trust. And it comes down to what they were following. Joshua spoke to them and said, this is what you are supposed to do. He spoke through the commanders and the commanders handed out the instructions. You need to wait in your tent. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord being carried by the priests walk past, you are to follow it. Catch this. You are to follow it. This is how you will know which way to go because you've never been this way before. What did the Ark symbolize in the Old Testament? The presence of God. The presence of God. The presence of God. We are being called, church, to follow the presence of God into where we're going. We're not called to come and do Sunday church. We're not called to come and do three songs and a poem and, a, and, and do things the same way that we've done them before because, remember, we've never been this way before. We're being called to step into and follow the presence of God. We've got to cultivate an atmosphere where we are constantly in his presence. Do you know the only music I listen to in our house, apart from when Xander's over? No. <laughs> Xander does sometimes take over our Google um, home, but he actually listens to really good Christian music, but we only listen to worship. That's on in our home constantly. I couldn't tell you what the top songs on the radio are. I don't know. And it's not a judgment on anybody who does or anybody who likes that. That's just f for us... We've just determined in our house we're going to set an atmosphere where God can speak to us at all times. And we want to cultivate that. So this morning, when I knew I had to speak, I left the house early and I came into the church and I knew there was team coming in and I, had, I just put my headphones on and I just put an hour and a half of Maverick City's new um, album on, which is called Old Church Basement. And if you don't have that yet, I'll just get it. And... Or you look it up on YouTube, it's, it's on YouTube, you can just watch it, it's an hour and 45 minutes long. It's just worship, and it's not perfect, and it's, not, it's just worship, and we've got to get into his presence. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. But we've got to trust. This, this whole thing comes back to trusting Jesus and trusting that he's got our best intentions and trusting that we're going to go where he wants us to go. We've got to follow his lead. Sometimes we've got to follow in the dark. We've got to follow in the dark. Sometimes we've got these blinders on. And as Pastor Ruth was talking about putting um, different glasses on um, to actually see the way God wants to see. Sometimes we've got, to, we've got to take a step and we don't know which is the right way to go. But the Bible says that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. One thing that um, Pastor Dave McCracken shared in that, um, that video, and we'll, we'll put that out on our social media so you can rewatch it. Um, he said, beware the established way. The established way. Well-meaning people who will come to try and guide you into the established way. If you want to go somewhere new, you can't keep going the same way. I think that's. Um, I think someone said that doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result is the um, definition of insanity. But I'm not saying what we've been doing is bad. I'm just saying that there's something new. I'm just saying that there's a new direction, there's a new focus. So this is as prophetic a message as I think I can speak into that we are going in a new direction, we're going in a new place. Doing the same thing the same way is just going to produce the same results. And we don't want that. 
So I love our church. <laughs> I do, with all my heart. But I was reading this this morning. Pastor John, do you recognize that? Words of prophecy over our church. This would have been from when you were here, 1989 to 1997. And I need a historian to help me find the rest of them because there's been lots of more. But I opened it up to the first page. Prophecy by Steve Penny on 2nd of May 1997. And the first, line, first words of this, and this is only in the way that Steve Penny could speak. This church is not really big enough. talking about how God wants to actually do something so great in this place. Um, ministries coming and going from this. He says, and he says this, you need to draw an arc around this church that touches three states. New South Wales, Victoria and South Australia. And right around it, you need to draw it and take responsibility for the churches. And plant churches. I've, I flicked through this page a little bit more. Do you know that pretty much all of the prophecies in this book have to do with us actually going out from this place and planning more stuff and about how God wants us to take over this region. This is words over our house. That this is, to me, this is a little bit like our, our promised land. Not saying, if you can just come with me literally for a second. And I'm not trying not to be heretical. But this is what God's promised. This is what God has spoken. This is what God has used great men of God to speak over our house as direction and focus for where to go. And as soon as I got this, I'm like, I want to step into this. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself too. I've got to, I've got to preface all this because you can kind of get a picture of what I'm, what I'm going to say at the end of this message and I've only got nine minutes to go. So I want you to get a picture of what I'm, where we're trying to, what, what I'm going to say. I want you to keep that sort of store. We're going somewhere. We're going out. We, we can't stay here on this side of the Jordan anymore. We've got to actually take a step into the promised land. But the path ahead is going to be full of challenge. If you think about anyone who's been an explorer, an adventurer, they were inundated with challenges and, and circumstances that were beyond their control, that they didn't have. I think about Burke and Wills, who led an expedition from Melbourne all the way up to the north of the Gulf of Carpentaria and back. And they had so many issues on the way. They started out with the most expensive um, expedition in Australia's history. I think it cost 3,000 pounds. Now that doesn't even buy you a car to go on that journey. But they, they, they had all of these camels and all this, this stuff and they took it and they're going, we're going too slow. So they, they left some th people behind and they started off even more. And then there was disagreements and fights and sickness and death and... They ended up exploring, but exploring came with a cost. There was a challenge ahead. I was reading about Kay Cotty. Does anyone remember who Kay Cotty was? Yeah. Kay Cotty was the first woman to circumnavigate the globe in a boat. She sailed around the globe. You know, you might think, oh, that's awesome. That sounds like a bit of a holiday. I love going on a cruise ship. This is not a holiday. She was adventuring and exploring and blazing a trail for people behind her to actually see it. This is possible. Explorers are about finding what's possible. Pioneers are about finding what's possible. But she had so much challenge. Her boat capsized numerous times. And in one instance, as she rounded one of the, I don't know, the horns of Carpentaria or wherever they are, I don't know, the southern tip of Africa, she came around and her boat capsized continuously through the night. She was washed overboard. That doesn't sound like fun. That sounds like challenge. But to get anywhere good, to get actually receive and actually step into something new, it comes with a cost. It's not easy. If it was easy, anyone could do it. I think about pioneers in our Christian movement. I think about my dad was a pioneer. And I was just recently up at um, the Gold Coast for our national conference and I drove past our old church building and some of you would have seen a picture I put on yeah. and, uh, of the church that says, Our message, Jesus. And that was the message of the church. But Dad pioneered a church in Townsville, led it to uh, you know, thousands of people used to come. 
left that, called God. Someone called him and said, I think God's spoken to me about you coming down to a church of about 40 people in a school hall. Followed what the Lord said, pioneered something new. That church rose up, impacted churches all over the place. Can I get the water? <coughs> Excuse me. I think about guys like Andrew Evans over in um, Paradise. And I saw Pastor Andrew actually prayed the anointing prayer over all of the pastors who were at the national conference. We all had to come down and get quickly dabbed and go back to our seats because we were trying to be COVID friendly. Um, but then he prayed over all of us. And tell you what, he is 85 years old and I have never met someone so full of fire and passion about the things of the Holy Spirit. He preached, he spoke revival into our hearts and into our churches. I think about his dad, Tommy Evans, um, who, it was interestingly enough, somebody, they got saved through somebody putting a flyer in their letterbox. But they've had an impact on our nation. I think about guys like my former pastor, Brian Houston, who has pioneered something new. They now have 140 different campuses globally that meet and, 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 and worship God together. They're impacting the globe. I think about Pastor Shane Baxter, who um, was our state president for Victoria just up until recently, and I was able to meet with him and, and just talk through what they're, they're doing. And he's just got like, he'll wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and he'll go, something's stirring, something new stirring in me. I've got to go. Uh, and he'll just get in the car and he'll drive and God will lead him to a place that goes, this is where you're going to plant a church and that's where they sow into as a church. I'm like, I think about all of the cost that comes with doing that. And these Israelites, they, they found themselves in a challenge. They found themselves as they came to the final point, we're going to go, it's, it's time. We're not doing donuts in the desert anymore. We're actually going to actually step into the promised land and what did they come up against? They came up against a river. And you're like, big deal. We've got rivers all the time. Yeah, but they didn't have bridges back then. And this is like a huge amount of people had to cross this river. How are they going to do that? How is that going to happen? They came across a river, but it wasn't just the river. It was a river in flood. It was an obstacle. Nothing worth having was meant to be easy. They could have easily come to that and gone... Well, my generation who's here today, we didn't see all that Red Sea stuff. We, didn't, we, didn't, we weren't physically there. We're, we're a new generation. Because remember, the old generation had died out in the desert. They hadn't seen that. They'd only heard the stories. But they got to the point, and they knew in faith. And they said in their hearts to Joshua, says, the Lord has given us the land, the whole land into our hands. So all of these explorers, these pioneers, they risked life and limb to forge a new path that we now enjoy. Everything that we have now is because somebody sacrificed. You know, the established way doesn't come with a lot of challenge. The established way comes with routine. It's like, yep, oh, hey, that's how, that's, that's how, oh, what, you should see how that church is doing that. Oh, you should see how, oh, th th these guys are doing it like this. Let's, let's do that. Oh, these, this church over here, they, they, they do their worship at the end of the service, not at the beginning. Well, let's try that. No, no, those are the established ways. God's calling us to do something new, something fresh, something that's the established way. I, I want to guard, us guard our hearts again and say, hey, Joshua, that's, that's, this is not the way that Moses did it. Moses didn't lead like this. Moses, Moses didn't do that. Moses wouldn't... Hey, Joshua, Moses used to do this on a Friday. He used to, he used to do this on a Friday, and, 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 and it was cool. It was great. We loved it. Hey, Joshua. We haven't been this way before. So what Moses was telling us to do doesn't necessarily apply. I'm being as honorable and respectful as I can. Joshua was the pioneer. He was the one who was actually given the gift to actually step into the promised land. If you pioneer something new, you've got to go somewhere you haven't been. You will face challenges that you have never come across before. So I want to tell you, church, this is the, the hard part, is that it doesn't get easier from here. It's not going to get easier from here. And we've been thinking, oh, I just would love a break. 
oh, I just, I've just been thinking about, we've been doing these, like, oh, I'm a bit tired. No, this is the time now for us to double down, to buckle in and go, you know what, there's some new season, there's some new fresh anointing, there's something that we've got to actually grab a hold of and step into a promised land because it's not the way that we've been before. And there's going to be attrition. feel quiet in here. I'm, just, I'm, 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 I'm going to build your faith. Just hold on. Joshua and Caleb were the ones who went and spied out the land. And they came back with this report. And they say, this is going to be easy for God. This is going to be something. God is going to, God's going to do this. It's going to be straightforward. He, he's got this. We've got faith. We can easily, we can take it. They came back with this, this mode of faith in their hearts. But 10 people saw the, the picture differently. They saw the giants. They saw the giants. They saw the challenge and they went, ah, oh, it's a bit scary. I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if we should do this. So we're going to come up against people. There's going to be people who are going to go, ah, oh, I don't know if we can do this. I don't know if we can step into that. And we don't want to lose a generation. So I want you to dive into faith. But his presence brings the breakthrough. Joshua chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. This is how you will know that either the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you all of those nations and see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. And this is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will. Miracles come when we follow the presence. Did you know that the water uh, that backed up to that town called Adam, I did get out my Google Maps this week and I had a look at where they crossed the Jordan. And I had a look at where Adam was. And I actually did that whole thing where you can calculate the distance. As the crow flies, it's about 20 kilometers. But you know, the, the river goes like this and it winds. So it could be somewhere around double that or somewhere in that vicinity. So let's just call it 30 kilometers. The miracle was such that the water backed up all the way up to Adam, 30 kilometers upstream. That's where it backed up. And you know why it had to go that far? A lot of people had to cross. And it was dry all the way down to the Red Sea. This is, a, this is not something small. God caused a river system of over 60 kilometers long in that section to completely dry up and back up at one town and hold all the water there. Think about that for a second. This is not something insignificant. This is not something small. And it was in flood. But this, this whole thing, this is in flood, the challenge, as soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the presence of God, touched the water. His presence brings the miracle. His presence brings the breakthrough. And I want to tell you something, that if you want a miracle with this morning, if you want a miracle in your life, in your situation, in your circumstances, you've actually got to go down to the water with His presence and step in. You've got to get your feet wet. You can't just go, right, God, I'm just going to stand in this spot and I'm going to wait for your miracle. No, he wants us to step in. Step in. His presence brings the breakthrough. So where are we going and what are we doing? We need a new focus. Sometimes we get caught up on the things that just happen around us and we think, oh, cool, we're going to build a program at church or we're going to do this or that. Or I want us to come back to the core. I want us to refocus ourselves on something that is not new, but it is old. Something that is ancient. And I genuinely believe that as our focus remains on and fixes on Jesus knowing him more, that he is going to be our God. He's going to be our God. We've got to get back to Jesus. We have to get back to Jesus. We can't keep going around going, oh, it's all this or it's that, or oh, cool Sundays is the program that I come to. No, no, we have to have a life that is built around Jesus and what he has done for us and what he has sacrificed for us to have a relationship with him again. There's got to be a different way of doing things. You know, things in this church may not look the same, which is probably why we started doing the Grow course last week. We are passionate 
about seeing people understand who Jesus is and who they are in Jesus. Last week we talked about revelation and what it means to get a revelation and, and what revelation is. This week we're looking at the heart of God for our people. I want to encourage you, if you want to get passionate about Jesus, let's get into grow. Get into grow. Things are going to get hard, but the rewards are substantial. And this is what I really felt God speak to me over the last, last day as I was preparing for this. And this is what I want our church to be. We're going to be a spirit-filled, Bible-based, Jesus-led church. Spirit-filled, Bible-based, Jesus-led church. And I truly believe that where we're going is going to be found and founded in these few things. The Word of God and prayer. Holiness and repentance. The presence of God. And I want to explain this one a little bit. Do you remember back when I was talking about Joshua chapter 3? And he says, follow the ark, but don't go too close. Follow the ark, but don't go too close. Because the ark carried the presence, and the presence was the holiness of God. And if you came near it and you, you touched it, you died because you couldn't handle it. But now, because of what Jesus did and accomplished on the cross and stretched his arm out and that curtain that was in the temple is now split in two and broken apart, we can now come close. So we're going to come close to the presence. We're actually going to dive in. And I had this whole list of things to talk to our worship team about, but we want to dive into the presence of God like we've never dived in before. Now, we might have seen times like that and things through the seasons, but we can't be operated or controlled by just a run sheet. We've got to actually dive into the presence. And I heard all the worship leaders said, Amen. <laughs> We're going after the presence of God. We've actually got to come back to some of these things that we get sometimes distracted by. And I admit I've been distracted. Because there's so many things to learn when you're pastoring a church. There's a lot. Number four, we've got to get back to a, um, an obedience to where Christ is leading us. This is the, the, the things that I truly believe God is going to, um, that we're going to be founded in these things. Word of God and prayer, holiness and repentance and the presence of God, obedience to where Christ is leading us and unity. We've got to come back to unity. Isaiah 43, 18 says this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Are we going to follow where God wants? I don't know if the, the band could just come and play something. Do whatever. I, I've told them before. I said, I don't care. I'm not, I, just, I, I just want to worship in our, in our hearts. We've got to have back to a heart of worship. Sorry, God, I'm just fixating on that. But we've got to prepare for a new thing. We've got to allow God to do a new thing in us and through us. And we've got to go, well, this is the established way. And as God's saying to us this morning, we're not sticking to that path anymore. We're going in a new direction. And I want to speak, this is what God has kind of been putting in my spirit over where we're going. Because I've got to bring this to a close. I'm going to land this right now. I want to go after 5%. Church, and if you can hear me and if you're with me, I want to go after 5%. And you might be going, 5% of what? Isn't the tithe 10%? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I want to go after 5% of our population to be connected into the life of our church. I want to see go after 5% of nil. I want to see 5% of the, of, of the population of nil connected into the life of that community up there. And you're like, oh, 5%, that's not very much. Pastor Andrew, where's your faith? You know, 5% would be three times the size of our congregation right now. And you know why I'm saying that to you? I'm not because I want to have a big church. I could care less. I don't care about numbers. I care about people. The thing is, the larger our church is, the more people that we can impact. The more people that get connected into faith, the more people that can actually be reached for the gospel, the more people that can be turned, that have their lives turned around. It, it enables us to be able to go somewhere and do something. I want to go after 5%. 
I've got faith to see it happen. The question that remains is that, are you going to come? Have you got faith to see it happen? I'm hearing a couple of yeses. And I'm not asking you to respond, but I want you to actually genuinely consider what's the cost going to be for me personally if we go after this. Because it's not going to come without challenge. It's not going to be easy. It's going to mean that maybe we've got to sacrifice some more. Maybe we've got to actually spend some more time in His presence. I've got to sacrifice my own personal time with the, replace it with the presence of God time. And maybe it means that, hey, I've got to sacrifice some time to help build something, to help build an auditorium that's going to be able to fill it, to help sow into something. And maybe I need to sacrifice and to, to be able to give into something to see it happen. I've got faith to see 5%. I've got faith to see locations and a presence of our church impacted in, in, in every town that's over 1,000 people within 100 kilometres of here. I've got faith to see it happen. Because I believe God's calling us to do things a different way. We've tried this before, Pastor Andrew. It didn't work. We went there. We, we launched something there and it, it just fell over. It didn't work. It didn't last. I don't want to use that as an excuse not to try again. I don't want to use that as an excuse to hide behind my comfortable Christianity and not try again. <coughs> Sorry. If you've ever read this book, <coughs> you know that this church is called to be a hub to spokes and a wheel churches all around Western Victoria. I've got faith to plant churches. It's come from our national conference and we want to actually reach by the next conference. We want to increase our movement by 100,000 people across Australia. And I'm not prepared to sit here in our corner of Victoria and go, well, that's for the city. No. I'm not prepared to do that. We are going to do it together. We have got to step out of our comfortable zone. We've got to reach out into our community and we've got to start planting churches. And I will. We as a church, if someone wants to plant a church out of our house, we will make it happen. The elders and the board will be on board. I'm telling you, I promise you. I'll get them on board. But we will plant. But if that's in your heart, we want to help. We want, to, we want to train you. We want to develop you because all of that stuff is in this book too. This book sort of does a picture of our promised land. And we've got to get there. We've got to start taking those steps of faith. We've got to cross this Jordan. We're in for pioneering. I'm in for releasing and building and training and teaching a whole new generation of older and younger people who are going to carry the gospel even into international scenes. That's where I want to go. I can't just keep doing a Sunday Sunday program. It's just not about that. This church is bigger than this. This church was never called to just meet on a Sunday. This church was called to be the church. I want to release and build a whole team of people who are going to launch into training people in how to worship. How to worship. Lisa, you get this. And I think I'm speaking prophetically over you right now is that you're not called to just teach people music. You're called to teach them how to worship, how to go to the secret place and how to lead others in worship. That's what you're called for. God's purposed you with it. He's given you gifts and tools and you're not just called to be creative in, in, in the scenes of drama, which is an outreach and it's great. But He has called you. And you have on my heart all morning. He's called you to teach people how to worship Him. That's on your life. I see it when you lead. But it's not just about that. You're going to lead others in how to lead. All right, we're going to land this. I've kind of outlined for you a few things that I want to do. I want to go after 5%. I've got faith for it and I'm going to be sticking to that. I don't know how long it's going to take because I don't know where the next step is actually is. I'm actually, I've got my leg raised. I'm ready to step. I want to plant churches in every town of over a thousand people around this region. 
I want to, I want to provide teaching and training to our whole church, which is why we started Grow. We want to start, we, we're, and this is not just, this is not preaching season. It's not a preaching thing. Come along and hear a good preacher and get inspired. No, it's teaching because we need to teach people in the Word of God. And I want to build something that's going to teach people how to worship. Those are kind of the four things that God's really put on my heart about where we're going. And it's going to look a little bit different than what we've seen before. Do we know exactly? No. But are we going to go? Yes. I'm standing, I'm, and I, this is for me, this is what I'm asking of you, church, is that I'm standing at the edge of the Jordan and I'm just about to put my foot in the water. What are you going to do? Come on, let's stand. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for new vision. We thank you for new hope. We thank you for new purpose and direction. And I pray that as you speak through us, as you speak through Rachel and myself, Father, that you would cause something new and fresh to happen in your people. Father, that you would cause faith to rise, that you would cause hope to rise, a knowledge that you have already provided a victory. (coughs) And I pray right now for every single person in this room, every single person under the sound of my voice to catch this vision. To catch this direction that you would cause your purpose to rise in their hearts. Father, I pray that you would have your way in us, have your way in me. But there's a road less traveled that we've all traveled on before, and that's a road that's away from Jesus. And I want to provide an opportunity for any person that is listening to me today to actually enter into a relationship with Jesus. He's saying to you this morning, come and follow me because you haven't been this way before. He wants you to follow hard after Him. He wants you to follow hard after Him. And here's an opportunity right now to get your heart right with Jesus, to start here, to enter into a relationship and start a new journey with Jesus this morning. So if that's you in this room, if that's you online, if that's you up at nil. Why don't you just lift up your hand? No one else is looking around. Every eye is closed. Thank you. I see that hand. Is there anybody else who is, who is, who is wanting to respond to the message of Jesus today? Why don't you come? Why don't you put your hand up and I'll see that. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus. All right, church. Let's pray this prayer together. Father God, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, the Christ, to die on a cross for my sin. And I thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. I'm sorry for all of my sin. And I ask you to take it and wash me clean and make me new. And I thank you that because I confess that you are now Lord, that I am a new creation, a believer in Jesus, a follower of you. And thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, why don't we celebrate people giving their lives to Jesus today.